We do have three areas that we talk about in terms of building a more mature trust in, in ourselves, and that is really first and foremost learning what it means to trust God. So we'll return and talk to that too because mm-hmm. that's probably the most important. Um, the second one is about what does it mean to trust yourself. And then thirdly, which is the one most people want to hear about, is how, how does he show up to be more trustworthy? Right. And so, and that's very important too. In fact, all three of them are way more important than how I ever trusted anybody in any situation when I was young and more naive about all of it. Well, welcome to the Faithful and True Podcast. And as you can see, we're missing someone significant. Randy, my co-host, is not here today. Um, He's able to be on vacation with his wife, and we're so glad that he was able to get some time away, specifically after doing so much hard work for our booth at the AACC. And you can see with me today is Deb, and we are very glad that she is here. It's just great to be with her. She is the co-founder of Faithful and True and one of the therapists here on um, staff and also just a great visionary and leader for our team. And so today we're going to begin a series led primarily by the women who are on staff here at Faithful and True, because what we're going to be focusing on is what are some of the specific things that husbands are able to do to begin to rebuild trust after there's been betrayal. And so in this first podcast, Deb and I are going to be setting up some of the foundational principles around this and kind of set the stage for the podcasts that are going to be coming. And we're going to have the various counselors and um, staff members for Faithful and True come and share their expertise as we move through the list. So the first thing we should probably talk about is how did the list come about? Was it just something that you developed over time working with women or did it just kind of pop into your head one day? Because I know that this is, for those of you that have been to the men's workshop, this is one of the things that you teach at the men's workshop for the men who come. Well, that's true. And I think over time here at Faithful and True, and especially when Mark and I were the only counselors here in the beginning or working with people, uh, we did end up just de- starting to develop a lot of things in a lot of lists, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's really how this started, because if you look back to, I think, Podcast 100, maybe they have different numbers these days. Uh, I'm looking at Aaron, who's producing this show, <laughs> because at that time it was like a list of 10 things, and then it grew to something more. And, right. Um, but it is true. I, I think one of the things that helped was just to continue to talk about it and as I watched Mark's journey, I began to really see significant things that he had done. And, and probably being asked to come into the men's workshop, which I've done for many, many years now, um, had me thinking more specifically right. about that, too. So I'm sure that's what what has added to that list. Right. And then Beth and I um, also present uh, trust building at the women's workshop. So that prob- that continued my lists and growing that list to be something more as well. So I think it's just kind of morphed over time. Right. One of the things I would add is that um, when you first began presenting this, even the title of the page was some of the things that Mark did to help rebuild trust. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I liked about that and continue to love about that is it's very practical because it's things that you experience from Mark. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this recovery can be kind of... um, theoretical or, um, 
kind of abstract. It's important and it's needed because um, it is a journey and sometimes the journey is undefined. But it's also very helpful when you get some very specific practical things. Yeah. So that's probably a good place to start is these were things that you experienced from Mark early in recovery. And maybe at the time you begin to realize I'm starting to trust him more. Or maybe it was mm-hmm. at some point you just realized that that was the direction you were going and you began to realize these things mm-hmm. were helpful. Yeah. And, and I think um, what happens when we do anything that's safe and helpful to ourselves, our own journey as well as the journey of someone who's been hurt by us is there is more peace and joy that shows up and so um we don't always think about exactly what brought that on but i I do tend to talk about that with women i'm working with now and they say yeah we're just in a really good place right and i say well let's stop for a minute and talk about what what's helped you get there because i think that's really a part of this being intentional so that we know in case we get bumped off that place at some point we know what we might want to do or look for in order to get back there. Right. So, you know, practicality is my middle name. It is. It is. <laughs> and so I love being practical. I like to know, you know, what it is we're looking for and or what I can do or whatever. So um, that's why this list is so practical. Right. Well, and something else, too, you alluded to it. It's been confirmed by years of experience of working with other wives, mm-hmm. that as they've identified some of these things, it reinforced the list, it maybe at times expanded the list, but this isn't just from your experience or maybe the, the wives of the people on our staff who are married to men who struggle with addiction, but this is working with hundreds and thousands of women mm-hmm. through the years of being able to reinforce these things really do make a difference when the um, husbands are willing to commit to them and the wives begin to experience. That's very true. I learn from my clients all the time. Right. And so if it's, maybe it's putting words to things that it's like, oh yeah, that really describes something I really need, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that helps me to feel safer and more trusting. And in fact, just last week at, at presenting our workshop at AACC, I came across another one, which I'll talk about. I don't know if we're getting to practical things today. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, you know, talking through the full disclosure process actually right. uh, led me to another practicality in terms of building trust. Yeah. So. When I think also for men who come to our workshop, for many of them, especially those that are early in the recovery their wives may be even telling them, I will never be able to trust you again, mm-hmm. or even asking the question, how can I ever trust you again? And I think that that's such a powerful role that you play for the men who come. You're casting a vision that it is possible. It's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a simple thing of just following these steps and it will get you there. But you're also casting this vision that it is possible, and then you're inviting the men to begin to really incorporate these things into their lives and how they live and how they relate to um, their wives. And the other thing I would say about the list is that this isn't just about rebuilding trust with our spouses. And there may be some that more applicably uh, apply to that. But the reality is these are some principles of where we have broken trust in any relationship or we are looking to build trust with someone who has hurt or betrayed us. These are some things that we can be looking for and asking Mm -hmm. for 
So there's kind of universal principles that apply to all relationships yeah. in the list. That's absolutely true, Greg. And and we forget about that, that mm-hmm. trust is not just about our spouse. And and so it's led me to really build trust differently with new friends and new uh, relationships in business or anything. You right. know? So it affects every every aspect of my life, really. And when you think about it, we talk about it as young uh, women maybe who had fallen in love and got married that, you know, I always said, I just kind of handed over my whole basket of love, of trust to Mark. Right. I mean, we never even talked about it. I never even thought about it. You know, the fact is I loved him and I just assume it was a non-issue. And so I, I think we don't often even know what we're trusting in the beginning. We trust that we love someone and that's generally mm. enough. And until it's broken, then we start thinking about it more. But, um, you know, that young love, that very immature, actually, um, you know, it's just implicit. They didn't have to earn it. Uh, I didn't either. We just loved each other and trusted each other with everything. Well, would you also say that in your story, as you think about it, up until meeting Mark, there hadn't been a significant betrayal or broken trust. And so maybe there was this expectation that that would continue And so for a woman that maybe had been betrayed before or had dated someone that wasn't honest and she discovered that, entering into the marriage, there might have been suspicion, but suspicion is different than really doing some of the things that we're talking about in building trust. Mm -hmm. I think that can be true because, you know, I didn't have any reason not to trust Mark that, you know, some relationships start and it's like, well, we broke up after a year or two because this happened and that happened and... Um, that wasn't our story. And so basically we fell in love. We were on opposite campuses going to schools and maybe that helps too, cause you're not around each other so much. I don't know. Uh, but what was true is that we couldn't wait to get married and live together after four years of doing all that, that we could finally be together. So, um, you know, and the truth was Mark's addiction had started already by then. It's just that I didn't know anything about that. And, you know, he didn't think to share that with me right. either. Yeah. That can be different these days as well. Well, and one thing I would say, I, I, I think Beth would say prior to discovering about my addiction, she would also say I had never given her a reason not to trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was also true is I was good at creating the illusion of being trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I could present enough information, but not all the information. I, I was a, on staff at a church. I was a pastor. Being trustworthy is seen as part of the expectation or even the job requirement. Mm-hmm. And I intuitively were, was aware of that. And so for some women that may be listening, it may also be helpful for them to understand that early on there may have been unintentional or even intentional ways that they were misled and they were led to believe that their spouse was trustworthy. And so it became even more surprising when they discovered this. I suppose that's true, Greg. And is it a both and? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. That, I mean, I know you well enough to know your whole life was not a lie and, right. or a deception. And there were many things about you, as was true with Mark, that were very trustworthy. And there was this one secret part of his life that wasn't. Right. But that doesn't need to mean that everything about his life was um, a lie or untrue or that none of it was real or some of the things we experienced and loved about each other wasn't real. 
And I, I think that's where a lot of people get hung up in the beginning because their thinking is very black and white. Right. And that's understandable. And one of the things we work on here is expanding that into this gray, right. including these ampersand statements. But, you know, maybe it can be true that you struggled with telling the truth about sexual acting out and you were very trustworthy when it came to other things you were doing in life with right. your family and with the church. When I actually think, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because one, that's good to be reminded of that. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, for the wife who maybe feels like she is foolish because she trusted the wrong person, mm -hmm. it may be important to be reminded very much what you said, that you trusted this person because there were things that were trustworthy. Mm -hmm. There might have been like, you identified for me, there were things I was hiding, things I wasn't being honest about. And in a lot of my life, I was trustworthy, which made sense that Beth would trust me. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it is more complex when the truth comes out and someone is reflecting on the history of their relationship and specifically this idea of trust, for the women that might have shame about, oh, I was such an idiot for trusting him, to be reminded actually it made sense because there were things that were trustworthy. Mm -hmm. That's true. I'm going to bring up something, but oh, wives out there, please don't hate me for it. <laughs> it's just my truth. <laughs> um, I also think as good as you might have been in trying to deceive, and some of that's true, Right. I also think that one of the things we create as partners or a system in this when you're hiding things, I am probably doing things also to distract myself from the relationship because there are things that are missing for me. Whether I wanted that to be true or not, it was true. Mm -hmm. You know, Mark was taking some time to do other things. And so what was I doing? And I learned to fill up my life with parenting, working myself, finding my own desires. And I kept busy. I mean, mm -hmm. that was one of the ways I distracted myself from maybe not having all that I wanted in our relationship, in that distraction and in that busyness, I think I also missed a lot of the hunches, the intuition that probably would have been there because I wasn't all that available and present to look for it. And so, you know, I don't want to just say you're so great. Maybe you are just like terrific <laughs> at deception, but I'm saying there's a piece for me too that I wanted to look at to make sure that um, my busyness and how I was coping wasn't also leading to missing things. Because today, I think because I have worked on that, I, I don't miss as much. And right. I'm not, that doesn't mean people can't fool me sometimes. But I don't live in that place of, oh, I'm just stupid because I miss that. Um, what is true is that core belief, and a lot of women say that, usually has some history to it also. And for me, it did. You right. know? I mean, I truly believe that I wasn't anywhere near as smart as Mark was. That was just a core belief I brought in. And it was something I needed to work on. So all I'm saying is any of this can lead us to understanding more about ourselves. Right. Yeah. Well, and even you alluded to this. Sometimes there are family systems that we kind of come out of where certain topics aren't acknowledged or you just accept certain things. And mm -hmm. so it's, it is a comprehensive look and kind of out of curiosity, not shame, kind of asking the question, how did we get here? Why, mm -hmm. why didn't we talk about those things? Or why wasn't I willing to acknowledge this? Or why did I accept that or dismiss that? And that brings us to part of the introduction that we want to talk about. And that is, as I understand it, when y'all are teaching the women and working with women, that one of the first principles that you want to encourage a woman to do is to begin to trust herself. Mm 
that before she is able or engages this idea of trusting somebody else, it's, it's that sense that I, I have to begin to trust my discernment, my intuition, my awarenesses, and how I bring that to relationships. Mm-hmm. Yes. We do have three areas that we talk about in terms of building a more mature trust in, in ourselves, and that is really first and foremost learning what it means to trust God. So we'll return and talk to that too because mm-hmm. that's probably the most important. Um, the second one is about what does it mean to trust yourself and then thirdly, which is the one most people want to hear about, is how, how does he show up to be more trustworthy? Right. And, so, and that's very important, too. In fact, all three of them are way more important than how I ever trusted anybody in any situation when I was young and more naive about all of it. So what does trusting yourself mean? Um, we do talk a lot about how that, that even that language is very foreign to many people because when you think about it, we grow up and when we're young, we're taught to look to authority figures. Our parents certainly want to be that for us, our pastors, our teachers. We're looking to others who perhaps have more wisdom and we look to them for discernment and mm-hmm. answers to things. We want to know what they think. And um, if we're not helped to slowly shift and to strengthen those muscles within us to have people say, well, what do you really think about this? What, what is the spirit telling you about what your next step is? I mean, nobody ever talked to me like that right. when I was little. And I find most people I work with, even though they're faithful and in church environments, that they don't always think that way either. Um, so it's a shift, and especially... If you've left home and that hasn't really happened too much because people who are bigger, older, wiser than you have continually given you ideas about how you should live your life. So you don't grow up with that, you know, internal sense that you really have all within you. And the spirit has given you that. God tells us that if we can learn how to listen to that. Now, that becomes one of the first steps, I believe, to trusting ourselves we have to learn how to slow down to hear these soft whispers right. that really come from the spirit. And I, I love, I'll read you, I wrote this down because I can't remember scripture so well, <laughs> but I love this one from Isaiah 30. You know, although the Lord gives us the bread of adversity, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Mm-hmm. And I think we learn that our emotions can be a part of that. Those thoughts that fly through our head that are just seeming to be random are part of that. And we can learn what it means to allow what's inside of us to uh, lead us to our next decisions, our next small right steps. So a big part of trusting ourselves. And one of the things I would say is for many people, they are... told not to trust their intuition they're Mm -hmm. told not to trust their discernment and there are those scriptures that warn us to not follow the wrong path and Mm -hmm. and because of that people actually become suspicious of a prompting or something and if we're not careful like you said very clearly we turn over all of that to somebody else versus allowing our own discernment to be part of the guide it can't Mm -hmm. be the only thing that we're listening to and it's not helpful to dismiss it as not trustworthy or invalid or not significant because we are told that when we embrace faith that the Spirit of God is in us, revealing yeah. truth, mm-hmm. inviting us, prompting us. And so to just dismiss that 
because we, we don't think we are good at discerning keeps us from being engaged in an intimate connection uh, connection and relationship with God. Yeah. And this is what I think takes some time. And ideally, someone will help you walk along this because it's new to you. You know, when I had small children, my life was overwhelmingly busy all the time. I'm like, are you people crazy? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, even if somebody told me that this would be a nice thing to start working on to trust myself, which no one did, by right. the way, um, I would have said, you're out of your mind. It's all I can do to get my pajamas on, have a shower and fall into bed at the mm-hmm. end of my day. And maybe that's one of the precious things that happens as we get older. We we can take more time or we have people saying, what if you tried to back out of this responsibility or this one, mm-hmm. at least for a time, and practice this? Because what I teach women is that if you will listen to this and if you will try to follow this energy, this spirit within you and make a next step, I think what's so amazing about God is he's like that GPS system. And if it's in line with what he wants for us, we feel this peace and possibly a little bit of joy even. Mm -hmm. And if it's not, he ruffles up our life enough to say, hey, you make a U-turn at the next corner. And, you know, it's clear as day and night if we just listen to what we're feeling. But again, if we're told don't listen to those emotions, they're harmful, they won't lead you anywhere. I, I just don't believe it, first of all. And I think as I work with people, women, uh, they come up with more and more examples of how this has happened to them. And right. they love it. You know, they're like, as the way God would want it for us, they're carrying them around in their pocket <laughs> all day, every day. And that is what he wants from us. Right. So it's wonderful. Slowing down so that we can hear that those holy whispers is first. I think another thing we need to somehow come to grips with whether we're going to allow our feelings to be messengers to us or not. I believe they surely are. They tell us what we need. We, again, can try getting those needs met. And by setting up some small step, we can watch for the joy and the peace, or we can watch for the chaos, and then we can adjust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> easy. Right. Easy peasy, right? Yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I think that is true is many times the prompting start out as vague. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times we want something very clear, but it may simply be the, the prompting that something is off. Mm-hmm. You know, and we just blow past that versus Mm -hmm. slowing down and listening. Oh, I need to pay attention. Something is off about this or something is right about this. Mm -hmm. I I may not even be able to define what is right, but that presence of God, the emotions are coming together that says this really feels succinct Mm -hmm. with who I am and who God is and what God might be calling Mm -hmm. me to do or to be. And I think that's where I come in and can be a real helper because if someone's wondering I don't know, I just feel icky today, I'm, I'm off, I don't know what's wrong with me. We talk more specifically about what the emotions are at a woman, even after being around us for a year or whatever, you know, I say, well, what are you feeling today? Good. I said, hey, you know what? I don't even accept that word anymore around you. You right. know that. And she laughs. laughs. Well, by the time we got to what she was really feeling, there were some significant things, mm-hmm. anxiety, she was feeling overwhelmed. And so we got talking about each one of those and and eventually was any of them leading her to needing something. So again, I'm kind of being the coach, the mentor to help her look at that. And then as she's just talking about other things during our hour together, I I can kind of bring it together. I say, well, you know, you're talking about this, like you don't really like cooking and yet you find you're the responsible one for making dinner every single night. I said, 
is there any possibility you could back out of a little of that or get some help or ask your husband to do a night or two of that? Oh, well, I never thought of that. Right. And so, you know, again, as someone who's listening for that, because I do that all the time for myself too, I can help women keep working on what that means to listen to those whispers. Well, and what I hear is part of that role is to be like a translator. Yeah. That you're you're <laughs> yeah. listening to what is being said, and then maybe you're helping her to hear that in a language that does make sense. Very practical. Would it be possible for someone else to pick up some of the cooking yeah. responsibility? Mm-hmm. Because we are so quick to dismiss. Yeah. You know, and one one of the things that can be true, especially when life is difficult, is we trust those emotions that confirm how difficult life is. And early on, we may be sp- suspicious of some of those emotions that might be bringing life and light. Mm-hmm. I know I, I work with guys who at some point start to experience hope, maybe mm-hmm. hope that they can be free, hope that they can be sober, and maybe even hope for their marriage. But because we're so afraid of false hope that we want to dismiss it versus, well, let's just listen to that. What mm-hmm. What's going on that may be bringing you hope? What is something that you sense that is shifting for you? And kind of the same way, suddenly I can put my hope in context and acknowledge the changes that are happening, and then I can begin to trust my hope. Yeah, and try to do more of those right, things. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So another thing that we work on as, as wives is to um, really lean into the truth about who we are in terms of how God loves us mm. and what it means to really be a beloved child of God. And I think um, one of the things and one of the hurts for so many of us in the beginning of discovery is that there is probably something wrong with me and that's why my husband did this. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though that might just be a passing thought or hopefully there's enough information early on that it's not your fault, you didn't cause this, can't cure it, can't control it. Uh, It's still hard for, I would say, 100% of the women that we work with still admit that their belief that they are enough and of value and worth is still not 100%. Some might even say, well, I was really in that place, and then when my husband told me this, now I'm not there anymore. And again, I would venture to say that if that's a response we're giving, um, I think it's really worthy to look at what possibly rocked you off that place. Because if we really believe in God's truth about who we are and our belovedness, nothing should rock us mm-hmm. off that place. Right. So if it was because of our husband's behavior, then maybe we want to look at what was really going on before that. And I know that took some help for me, too, when I realized, no, I've realized for a long time I've been second class to my twin sister and Mm -hmm. to my husband and to many other people. And, you know, I've struggled with this for a long time. This wasn't just because I found out this information, Mm -hmm. but it took my ownership before I could get into my own real work about healing that pain. And it's true that his behaviors added to that. There's no doubt about that. But if I'm going to wait until I hear him live life perfectly and tell me I'm the most beautiful, wonderful, creative, smart, whatever he married, I could be waiting a lifetime because maybe that's not exactly true. Um, Even if it was, do I want to put all my all my belovedness and what my husband says and does, or do I want to really take it back where it belongs? So we like to help women take it back to where it belongs. One one thing I love is being with you on this journey. 
I see you living into your first classness, mm. that you're shifting, that mm-hmm. you see the first classness of who you are, yeah. and you're not living in that second class yeah. situation. And I know that changing and healing those core beliefs take a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Well, we've begun the conversation, oh. okay. and we're out of time. And so we want to invite you to come back and continue the conversation with us. Um, And if you're new to Faithful and True, we want to encourage you to go to our website, faithfulandtrue.com. There you'll see information about the workshops that we do. We do a monthly workshop for men who struggle with sexual addiction or sexual compulsivity. And the way that we talk about it is if you have ever been in a situation where your sexual choices have created chaos for yourself or others, have hurt yourself or others, and on your own you've been unable to stop, our workshop is a good place for you. So we invite you to come and be a part of that. We also provide a workshop for women who are in relationship with men who struggle, and we also work with couples. So again, find us at faithfulandtrue.com. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And whatever you do, may you make movement towards becoming the person that God created you to be.